0: Welcome to Simplify. I'm Ben Schumann-Stoller.
1: And I'm Caitlin Schiller.
0: So, I've been up since like 6 o'clock. I'm here. I'm awake. I've had coffee. And another coffee. And a banana. And another coffee. <laughs> How was your morning?
1: Uh, mine was good. I also had coffee and a banana. I was also up at 6am, but that's because I went to the gym. Went to the gym, had coffee, ate some food. Here now. Okay. All my boxes are ticked for a, a good morning.
0: Those are, that's what you need for a good morning? Yeah,
1: pretty much. I wake up, I have coffee, I go to the gym, I eat, and then I come here. And that's my little, like, routine. I really like my morning schedule.
0: Right. Morning routines, that's, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today. Exactly. Because you talked to Benjamin Spall, Mm -hmm. who wrote a relatively new book. It's called, what's the full title?
1: My Morning Routine, How Successful People Start Every Day Inspired.
0: And it came out of a five-year online-only project he did with Michael Zander, Mm -hmm. who's actually based in Berlin, I think. He is, yeah. So, hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. And what they did was they asked people to submit what they did in the morning, from what they ate to how long they slept to what they drank, and basically what they did when they first woke up.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the book consists of five years of, of anecdotal research on what makes a good morning. And there are actually patterns. I mean, obviously, there are just so many things you can do when you first wake up in the morning. But there are patterns. And um, I want to say, formally up top, I was really skeptical about this book. Which you'll hear me admit to Benjamin Spall later in
0: the interview. Why, like, the whole concept of the project or the just morning routines in general? Or what do you mean? Uh,
1: Yeah. Honestly, the, the whole thing. I know that people are really fascinated by morning routines. And I have always sort of sniffed at it in the way that... Um, as a teenager, I would, in a very hipster way, sniff it like pop music and right. think, why do you like that? Yeah. Like a jerk. And I felt kind of like that about this book. But then I opened it and I thought, this is so cool. And I ended up reading it from cover to cover. And it was so interesting because people are so singular and strange. You should hear some of these wild routines. Some of them involve oatmeal, some of them involve coffee, pretty normal, but some of them involve fish. I'm into that. <laughs> I like fish. <laughs> I don't want to know about the context. So yeah, fish in the morning personally, I think is kind of gross, but some people are into that and it's what it takes to get them to have a good morning. Um, And that is what Xander and Spall were after here. They wanted to figure out what exactly it was that helped people have a good morning and be their most effective.
0: Right. And I guess one thing that people can look for, why you might as well just be late to everything. If you're going to hit the snooze button.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So listen in for why the snooze button is basically the devil. And I guess we can just get into it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's do it. And uh, remember to stick around after the interview when Caitlin and I will make a book list to dive a little deeper into the things that uh, Caitlin and Benjamin Spall talk about. So we'll catch you right after.
1: All right. See you soon. Could you please introduce yourself?
2: Sure. My name is Benjamin Spohr, and I am the author of My Morning Routine, How Successful People Start Every Day Inspired, as well as the founding editor of MyMorningRoutine.com.
1: Okay, cool. So it seems like the central conceit of this book, or maybe it's not the central conceit, but one of the things that I picked up on when I was when I was reading through it is that mornings are really difficult, but they're important.
2: Yeah, no, it's exactly right. We uh, it's it's kind of surprising. So many people think they'll pick up the book or they will check out that website, and it will just be kind of laid out on a plate for them. But in reality, as you go through the interviews in the book, it's uh, it's surprising how different all of them are, and also the different things people struggle with. And um, so many people, like, they struggle with actually getting up in the morning, or they struggle with actually pushing themselves to go to bed. Um, but the consistent theme is kind of kind of that struggle, you know?
1: Yeah. And it seems to me that there are more people who are night owls than than morning people because I myself am a morning person. And whenever I admit this, I get kind of like cynical, angry looks from people. Um, But it seems like a fair amount of the the guests that you have in this book or the people you interviewed are actually morning people or have convinced themselves into into being morning people. Um, Where did this book come from? Actually, could you just take me back there?
2: Yeah, so we've actually, we've had a website that that, I previously mentioned, mymorningroutine.com for over five years now. And that kind of came out of the idea of this book that I read, which I'll mention later as well, uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, which is an excellent book. And I I read it around six years ago now. And I was fascinated by the idea of kind of the habits that we do every single day can kind of, you know, over time build up and become something really important in your life. So it was around this time that I was uh, introduced to Michael Zander, who um, he's also based in Germany money but he uh, had this whole idea of like doing something similar so we came up with the idea of just interviewing people about their morning routines and this was about five and a half years ago and back then morning routines really weren't being talked about as much as they are now because you kind of you kind of hear about them from all angles nowadays Um, but it was kind of a relatively new idea back then so we started by just interviewing our friends and then we put a form on the website where people could uh, suggest themselves or suggest other friends and yeah over time it really really grew
1: And what was amazing to me was that people are so obsessed with this topic. Why do you think that is?
2: I, I think part of it is voyeurism and I think that it's really interesting to hear what people are doing in in this kind of minute detail um, and I definitely find this myself like I've had to you know reread my own book many many times while preparing for interviews and writing articles and sometimes I'll be reading a, a certain part of an interview just to kind of get a quote or something that I need and I'll actually find myself just reading you know continuing to read and for something that I've personally read and written and edited so much I think that's kind of a, a good testament to how kind how it kind of sucks you in reading about these things. Um and th- this is especially true of the website as well, because it is, like I said, it's been going, we've, we've published a new routine every single week for five and a half years now. And we we just we just keep getting more and more interest.
1: Yeah, I also wonder, I think voyeurism is definitely true. It's sort of like why people enjoy eavesdropping as well. And actually part of why I think people like podcasts, it's like eavesdropping on a conversation. But I wonder, I can't think of any other subject Maybe people's sex lives would be that interesting to, <laughs> to read about. But um, I'm, I wonder like I wonder if there's something to say about how morning tends to be sort of a private, sacred time, if that's mm. part of why it's so appealing. I don't know. I was trying to figure it out as I read this because I also found it really interesting. I'm going to admit something that isn't super nice, but I was a little bit skeptical of this book when I picked it up. I thought, how, how original, how interesting can this possibly be? Because, you know, we see a lot of nonfiction. And... Uh, I thought, all right, I'll give it a breeze through. I don't know if I want to talk to this guy. I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> give it the hoary eye. We're going to figure it out. And then I found great. myself, I read through the entire thing cover to cover. And, oh, great. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it and found it interesting. Um, And I was wondering, what patterns did you see emerging as you were writing this?
2: Yeah, so the, the main pattern that we saw emerging is so many of the people we spoke to, both at the kind of higher, more famous end of the spectrum and the more unknown end, uh, they were really they found it really important to start really small because uh when you keep your routine short and easy to accomplish especially in the beginning as you're creating it this greatly increases your chances of actually sticking to it and i know this is kind of common knowledge to many people but uh so many people that they'll think about starting a morning routine and i did this back in the day and you'll just kind of want to throw everything at it all at once so you'll be thinking about it on a sunday evening and you're like okay tomorrow monday i'll get up and i'll run for half an hour then i'll meditate for 15 minutes and then i'll do this Do that, and it's this big thing, you know, it's a two hour mess. And to be honest, you're really not going to stick with that over the long term. You're probably not going to stick with it for a couple of days. So we recommend in the book, uh, just keeping everything short, like instead of deciding to do a half hour run, if you don't normally do any exercise in the morning, it's a good idea to just think, okay, I'll just stretch, you know, I'll do some light stretching, I might do some jumping jacks, just keep it very, very simple. The same with the meditation, if you've never really meditated before, or you tried years ago and haven't really come back to it, we suggest doing kind of five minutes, you know, just sitting down five minutes, even two minutes, if you can't find five minutes, just to kind of bring it, bring yourself into it and then allow yourself to keep doing doing it every day for a week or two weeks. And then after that point, if you're really enjoying any of these things, you, you can increase the length of them, but don't feel like you have to.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I, we, we have such grand ideas of what we can actually do in terms of new habit formation. But yeah, you're totally right. If we don't start small, it's, it's impossible. Um, there's this concept of the habit stack. Can you talk a little bit about what that is?
2: Yeah, so I got this idea from Charles Duhigg in *The Power of Habit*, and I can't remember if he specifically called it that or if we renamed it afterwards. I honestly don't remember. But um, so the idea is, um, a habit stack is basically one habit followed by another habit followed by another habit. And in *The Power of Habit*, Duhigg talks about how a habit is basically just a cue followed by a routine followed by a reward. So the cue, to give a to give a, a negative example, the cue could be waking up, and then grabbing your phone and kind of holding an inch from your face, kind of if you check email and Twitter and the like, Um, and then the reward could kind of be that feeling of I'm connected. And even though in that moment, it's not particularly good for you, that's kind of what the reward is. Um, And the reason we talk about habit stacks in your morning routine is you have that very clear habit of waking up every single day, you know, hopefully. So you wake up and then you go to the bathroom and then after that, you've just done two things. You can then tag on anything you want. So right now you may tag on going to the kitchen. You may tag on reading or opening the fridge um but you can just as easily tag on meditating for five minutes or doing a very light workout um and these these little habits and th- this is especially important to keep things short and simple because then it's easier to you know, kind of continue on but these little habits can be stacked on top of each other and in the beginning you may want to write them down on a piece of paper or somewhere where you'll see them just to re- remind you what you're doing um and also it's kind of a, a way to stick to it but um yeah g- generally they just kind of go on from another so at one point like like for example often people floss and then they'll brush her teeth it's kind of like that you just know what comes next you know that after meditating for five minutes you then stretch your stretch your back or something so it, it, it's kind of just an easy way to um get through your morning routine let's say
1: okay so then it's just like building blocks it makes it seem not quite so daunting
2: yeah it's, it's very simple i think we we refer to them as uh, jenga stacks you know it's, it's very um it's it's a very simple concept but it's just a way of looking at it to uh just to kind of show how simple it can be
1: hmm are there new habits that you've adopted since you've been doing all this research?
2: <laughs> there are. And I, I'd say the main one um, is, is, is quite boring compared to some of the people we interview. But the main one is kind of just keeping my, uh, keeping my mornings as calm as possible. And the way I do that is by keeping my phone outside of my bedroom. And it, it's, it's kind of funny because I actually only started doing that last year after running the website for over four years. And it kind of shows how you need to be told the same thing over and over again you know because if you just can't you kind of don't listen to it the first time so I, I've been hearing at that point for four years keep your phone outside your bedroom put it on airplane mode generally just don't you know, interact with it in the morning if you don't have to. And so I eventually did it last year, I brought an analog uh, alarm clock into my bedroom. And so at night, approximately an hour before going to bed, I'll always put my phone on airplane mode, take it into the kitchen. And then the next morning, unless I have a call or a meeting that I need to check the status off just beforehand, I I don't check it, I don't take it off airplane mode. And honestly, I, I find that's it's really been great for my mornings and it means that I'm not kind of immediately checking email I'm immediately seeing Twitter and it really it really brings that kind of calm groundedness into my morning that I previously didn't have
1: yeah I think that is actually really really great advice I started doing the same thing since um Ben actually did an interview with Ariana Huffington about two years ago and I listened to it and hearing her I thought okay I'll give this a try but it's it's helped my morning so much, but the single thing that I still find really vexing is that alarm clocks sound so awful. (laughs) Have you found an analog alarm clock that is not incredibly jarring and objectionable?
2: No, I haven't. My, mine, is, it's, it looks very nice, but it's very, yeah, as you say, it's very jarring. Um, it's funny, yeah, Ariana told us that she personally doesn't wake with an alarm. And we, we we say in the book, if you if you don't need to wake with an alarm and if you can pretty consistently, you know, guess the time you'll wake up, that that's fine, don't use an alarm. But most of us, you know, if we have a job or even if we generally wake up on time, most of us are going to need an alarm just to hedge against oversleeping.
1: Yeah. So as you were talking to people Was there a routine that really stood out to you?
2: Yeah, there were several, and it's kind of it, it's kind of funny because it's like a it, it's a paradox basically. Because in the book we talk about how simple you should keep things, but then to me the mo- the ones that stick out the most are kind of the craziest ones, you know. Of course. So um, okay, so we, we interview uh, General Stanley McChrystal for the book, and he's a retired four star U.S. Army general. And so he gets up at about four a.m. and he's been doing this for about thirty years. And then he'll immediately go on a run uh, to start his day. And the reason for that is now he's an entrepreneur, so he he feels like he can't get it in later in the day so he'll immediately run he'll then run back home and then he'll get ready for work and one of the most interesting things about him and it clearly works for, for him but I, I definitely couldn't do this is he generally doesn't eat until dinner time so he won't have breakfast he won't have lunch and when, when I questioned him further on this because I was like that sounds very that sounds terrible when i questioned him further about this he said that if he's starting to feel hungry around lunchtime he won't like he won't be that regimented about it he will grab something to eat but for the most part he says he doesn't feel hungry till dinner so that's that's what he does
1: i cannot even imagine that especially waking up and running running makes me hungrier than anything else in the entire world
2: yeah yeah and we, we had some other nice ones. We we spoke with uh, Biz Stone, who's one of the co-founders of Twitter. He um his his routine was um yeah he was super nice. Like I, I actually read a biography of Twitter a couple years before, and like he came across as clearly like one of the nicest people there. And he he was in, he was in person as well, and he was super nice. He was telling me about how. He spends his morning basically just playing with his son, playing Legos, playing Minecraft on the iPad, and um, yeah, that was it. Was just nice. He, he doesn't really do anything business related until he actually you know, drives over the Golden Gate Bridge and gets to Twitter um, after dropping his son off, of course. So that, that it was a really calming routine that I kind of wasn't expecting from a business exec,
1: especially someone who who founded Twitter.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, he doesn't really mention. I think he said he checks Twitter briefly. Um, he may have put that in for branding sake, you know. But um, yeah, he uh, yeah, he just kind of spends it very calm and grounded, kind of like what I said I was going for.
1: It sounds also like uh, Austin Cleon's routine. I thought that was really nice too. He he just wakes up slowly with his wife. They take a walk. They bring their kids to school or something like that. It was just so gentle, and that really struck me. I think he said, he said something lovely about do whatever is meaningful to you in the morning, because that'll set, your, set the tone for your day.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, his was great. His was all about, yeah, instead of being very productive in the morning, and we do, we do speak with people who are very productive, who get work done, first thing, uh, his was very much just kind of like calmly bring yourself into the day. And I think he mentioned that that walk kind of like his day sucks if he doesn't have that walk. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it, was a very, it was a very nice one.
1: Yeah, I kind of get the, the the feeling from reading through all of these that everybody in here has that one thing or that that one thing or those two things that if they don't do it in the morning, then their whole day sucks. What do you have one of those things?
2: Um, I, I guess mine would be generally if I have to check my phone or multiple point if I, if I have to check my phone and then I see a bunch of other things and that doesn't always happen but for example like you're based in Germany my, my co-author he's also based in Germany and I'm on the west coast of the US so by the time I wake up um, often there'll be a lot of stuff from him or there'll be a lot of stuff that he's replied to because my publisher's on the East Coast. Um, so there's that. It's not so much seeing the things that you're checking, but it's kind of seeing all the peripheral, everything around that. Uh, that, that can really kind of spin you off course. Um, but but to your, to your general point, we actually have a question that we ask every single person we interview, which is what happens if you fail? And that could mean fail the whole routine, you don't do any of it, or you could fail kind of the main core components. And for the most part, everybody says that even though it really does suck, you know, nobody's like, I like to fail, but for the most part, people say that they kind of just get back on it the next day. And that was, that was a point that, um, I was recently speaking with some people about this at a conference. And that was a point that a lot of people struggle with. They feel like they have to um, just consistently every day, you know, the whole Seinfeld uh, put an X on a calendar every single day that you do something. In his case, it was writing jokes and people feel like they fail if they miss a day or if they miss two days. And the point that we try and make in the, in this this part of the book is simply that you you know you don't fail if you do this. You're not a failure. You have this morning routine in place. If you miss a day for whatever reasons, you know don't worry about it. Don't don't intend to miss these days and don't don't miss three, four, five in a row. But if you miss one, just don't worry about it and just get back to it the next day.
3: Hey guys, it's Ben. Quick shout out to a podcast we like, which is called Rocketship.fm. Rocketship.fm, you can just type that into any browser and you'll find them that way, or just search Rocketship and whatever podcatcher you use. Anyway, they're launching their fifth season. They've been around for a while. And what's cool is, in this season, they're following three different companies like a 300 person company, a solo entrepreneur or solopreneur as the cool kids say, and a series C company. And they go behind the scenes, they go into the meetings, they go on company retreats. And I think, you know, Caitlin and I, it's important to us that we support people telling cool stories that we, that we support people who are trying to learn or trying to help other people learn. And so we thought it'd be cool to give rocket ship a little shout out. So go check them out. Tell them we say hi. And, uh, yeah, now let's get back to the interview, and we'll see you right after.
1: Um, what did you find was, was the average sleep time for these people? Because all these people, I mean, part of, I think part of the title is the habits of successful people, or how successful people start their day. So presumably, they're busy. How long did people tend to sleep?
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at this. We actually have a a statistics page in the back of the book. And I believe, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, the average sleep time was uh, seven hours and 29 minutes. And which is pretty good. You know, we we talk about how, you know, there's all these different stats of how much sleep you should be getting. Generally, it's between seven to nine hours. And we speak about in the book how if you feel like you're a seven hours person, you could be a nine hours person, you know, like I'm definitely an eight hours person. And I think last night i got six and a half and that's you know really not great for me some people would be fine on six and a half generally um, but yeah, it was surprising to me because I, I assumed that many of them would be getting less, even after doing the website all this time, I, I still assumed that many people will be getting less sleep, but seven and a half hours, that that's a pretty good number. And because most of the people we spoke with are getting up generally quite early, nothing, they're not, not all getting up at four, like general McChrystal, uh, but they're getting up at, you know, six, half six, uh, because of that, they're kind of going to bed, you know, ten thirty, eleven, 11, you know, almost certainly before midnight.
1: Yeah i wonder did you get many people who were not um, north american
2: um, it, it was more so north american for sure i think it's i don't know something like an 8 for a 6 for the people uh, not from north america uh, that's something we, we, we tried to get more of but it it, it was tough to be honest and i'm, I'm from the uk so i could uh, reach out to contacts there but even even then it wasn't a there wasn't a huge number coming forward
1: Mm. I'd be so interested to hear about the habits of people in Mediterranean countries. Um I lived in Spain for a while and people don't even eat dinner until, I don't know, ten PM. And then they they have pretty much normal working hours. They're up by six thirty or seven, and they uh I just I would posit that they get a lot less sleep.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. No, I I also lived in Spain for a while, and I remember thinking it was funny how um I, I was at a kind of language meetup one evening, and what was the time? It it, it was maybe half past 11 at night. And this uh, uh, Greek person who I was practicing Spanish Spanish with, he said to me, he was like, so what are you guys doing after this? And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to home and going to bed. What about you? (laughs) And it was during the week, you know, it was just like, it was very, um, it's a a very different culture. But um, yeah, I kind of, I I love the siesta. I love the naps. And I think that's definitely, I think I speak about naps in the book. If you don't get enough sleep during the daytime, or even if you just simply want to, a nap is a great way to kind of reboot and bring in a little bit more, productivity to your afternoon.
1: I think this is the the only thing about which I retained my skepticism as I was reading your book <laughs> because uh, earlier this year I talked to Daniel Levitin who was a neuroscientist and he wrote this wonderful book called The Organized Mind which I, I really recommend if you've never read it. It's just all about how your brain works basically and um, there's a, a pretty substantial section on sleep and in it he he reveals through biological and psychological studies that we actually can't catch up on sleep it's impossible your body can't do it and naps may help you feel a little bit more alert but they do not help us undergo that cellular repair that we actually need so a nap can be nice but it's not actually doing anything for your physiology or your mind and i found that kind of alarming
2: Mm, no, I, I agree with that, and we de- We definitely uh, a lot of people talk about how they kind of use the weekends to catch up on sleep, and I'm sure they don't really think they're 100 percent catching up on sleep because it really doesn't do. You know, it it, it definitely helps. It definitely helps you feel more rested. Uh, same with a nap. Like I, I, I would definitely say if I have a good nap, like 20 minutes, I definitely feel more alert alert than beforehand. Uh, but to yeah, to your point, I believe that I, I believe that's almost certainly correct. You're not really. You're not really. It's not the same sus- substance of sleepers that you're getting at nighttime.
1: Yeah, I found it really depressing. Sorry to be a joy kill there. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I keep mentioning it to uh to everybody I talk to because it's one of those. It's I think it's kind of like um. Sharing grief or sharing a traumatic experience. I found this mm. out, and I was like, "Oh God, no! <laughs> what have I been doing to my body for years?"
2: It's funny, actually. I was I was doing a I was doing a workshop last week where people could come to me and kind of ask me how to improve their morning routines. And it, it very quickly became clear that these people that they were kind of just not getting enough sleep. So that was the first question I would ask. I would, they would tell me about you know how bad their mornings are, and then I'd say, "How much uh, How much sleep do you get?" And they would consistently say kind of four and a half hours, five hours. And I would just be like, well, there you go. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not that you can't have a good morning routine without having enough sleep, but, you know, it's not going to be great. You know, you really kind of have to have that foundational base of not being tired um, before you can really think about bringing stuff into your morning.
1: Right. Four and a half hours, that's just inhumane.
2: I know. I, I was wondering if they were like trying to sound cool because I'm like, that's that just seems very little, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it probably ties into that idea of, of how, you know, you're a, a better, more moral person if you get less sleep and are always busy, which is actually, you know, it's it's a thing that I, I wondered about too as I was reading this. it's it's sort of like a badge of honor to say you get up early and you exercise and it's it's almost there's this sort of like purity and morality attached to it and and some sort of admirable work ethic do you think that do you think that people lie when they talk about their morning routines
2: i i don't think people lie but i I certainly do think for the most part there's definitely some funny ones in there where people say how often they fail but i think i think for the most part people are kind of giving the idealized version that works 30 40 percent of the time you know and like even even when i described mine just then like not checking my phone um i've been checking it for the last few weeks since the book came out, I've really been checking it a lot because there's been a lot more to check, you know, to make sure that things are going well. Um, And so, you know, sometimes I definitely feel like a hypocrite. I feel like I'm saying all these things, but actually in reality, I'm not getting much sleep. I'm doing these interviews in my morning instead of kind of like calmly getting into it. Um, Although this is fun. This is very fun. (laughs) But but yeah, yeah, I definitely think, I don't think people lie. Um, I'm sure someone has lied, but I think people do, kind of give the idealized version of what they what they what worked a few times and what they kind of want to push to work more often.
1: Yeah. I certainly do not think that this guy was lying, but a, a morning routine that really struck me. Actually, the whole voice of this guy's routine. I think it was a uh, Tyler Cowen.
2: Yeah, he's an he's an economics professor at uh, Georgetown.
1: Right. Yeah. He he listed out the very particular things he eats: green green <laughs> pepper, goat cheese, smoked trout, and Gerolsteiner mineral water. It was so precise, and it was like if not goat cheese, then smoked trout. It it was a whole like it, it almost seemed like an equation. Um, what did you find in terms of of patterns in people's breakfast habits?
2: Yeah, we've been asked about this a lot, and I think the main thing we found is that people generally do eat breakfast. Like McChrystal is a uh, outlier there. Uh, people generally do eat breakfast, but for the most part, it was kind of all over the place. It was a uh, the most the most interesting thing to uh, in terms of the stats actually was more the drinks. So, uh, water was the main drink, and then coffee was a very very close second. Um, but in terms of breakfast foods, it was it was kind of everything, you know, it was uh, some people would eat leftovers, even it was, you know, eggs, K- kind, of, kind of the regular things you'd expect. Um, but the most interesting data was just the fact that people do mostly eat it. And um, we, we've, we've had that question where people say, you know, should you eat breakfast and that? It's not a question we're answering, but certainly from the people we spoke with, uh, most people do.
1: Another thing that was interesting to me is that a lot of people mentioned their their nighttime routines, um did anything specific stick out to you
2: yeah no i'm glad you brought this up because yeah we have a chapter on kind of evening routines and then we have another chapter on sleep uh, because we mentioned previously the importance of sleep um but in terms of uh nighttime routines the main thing was just to kind of Think about it Think about it, kind of with intention, the same way you should think about your morning routine. So instead of simply running up the hours until you're finally bored enough to go to bed, you should kind of structure a nighttime routine that helps you wind down from the responsibilities of the day. And if possible, kind of get a head start on your morning. Um, and we talk about decision fatigue a lot in the book, which is the general... Um, it's that feeling when you either can't make a decision, or you decide to make a bad decision, or oh, you don't. You don't think it's a bad decision, but you do make a bad decision because you're kind of. You've been making so many decisions all day. You're kind of done, you know, with decisions, um, and we kind of think. A good way to do this is to do it in the evening. And even though, like I just said, it's kind of more difficult, it's better than doing it in the morning, where you kind of you, you don't want to kind of take up your daily decisions with you know what clothes you'll wear, for example. Um, so we talk a, a lot about uh, laying your clothes out for the next day, which is pretty typical. So many people we spoke with, especially in the workout chapter, uh, told us that they. their workout clothes out because they're just so much more likely to actually go and work out if they have their clothes already there. Not 100% of the time, but, you know, 80, 90. Um, And there's several other things you can do, kind of just clean up around your home, around your kitchen. Um, Many people said that, you know, waking up to dirty dishes is kind of the worst way to start their morning. And I can completely relate, especially when you don't have, you don't have many pans. So you're kind of like scraping around in your sink trying to actually get what you need. Um, and another thing is, uh, and this is more for before you finish work of a day, um, is to make a to do list for the next day. And even though you could make this in the morning, um, I generally prefer to do this the night before, so that then I can kind of immediately get into it first thing.
1: Yeah, that's super useful. Actually, a lot of the productivity experts that we've spoken to on Simplify I recommend that too, including David Allen, who's you know the the godfather mm. of of all productivity routines. <laughs> yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, So you said that you were doing some workshops and advising people about what they could do to improve their morning routines. And I assume they tell you about what they're doing. What are people generally doing that you find is kind of useless? They think that it's helping them, but it's not really?
2: Mm. I mean, I think d- definitely number one is not getting enough sleep. I would say number two is uh, what I found from speaking with people is generally the idea kind of we touched upon earlier of thinking that if they can't stick with it for like, you know, a couple of days, then they should just not do it. And the reason that people were struggling with this is is just because they were keeping their the, their idealized routine was just so long and so daunting, and they had this idea, kind of like they had to do a routine, like I mentioned earlier, half an hour running, you know, half an hour meditation. Um, but, and they just simply weren't sticking to that, and the reason is because that's kind of a lot to fit into your morning, especially when you you want you you want more sleep and then you want to actually get to work on time. Um, so it really does just come back to the point of just keeping your routine short and easy to accomplish, because that way you actually you actually do it. And like I mentioned earlier. It, it may seem silly in the beginning to do a five or even a two minute meditation. I, I totally get that. Um, but if, if you, let's say you did a two minute meditation for five days one week, next week just bring it up to five minutes and you can bring it up to 10 minutes. Um, slowly ease into it, you know, and, and feel out the things that you enjoy and the things that you don't enjoy instead of just throwing everything together at once and then hoping you'll stick to it. Because honestly, for the most part, you almost certainly won't.
1: Yeah. What's something that you found in your in your time, you've basically been researching in this field, what's one thing that you've found is actually a lot simpler than you initially thought it would be?
2: Mm. Uh, one thing that is, is kind of a mindset and it would be all about starting your morning with intention. Uh, because when you start your morning with intention, you can kind of bring your morning wins with you into the rest of the day. And that could be anything from, for example, if you decide one morning or you decide the night before, you you do want to do a, let's say 15 minute jog in the morning. That's kind of your intention. And then if, you, if you're able to do that and if you're able to keep that up over, over the next few weeks or whatever, it kind of, you can bring this into your day and you can think, okay, I did that this morning. Now I can kind of do this or now I can kind of do that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's honestly, it's just all about starting your morning with intention.
1: It's nice. It sounds so simple.
2: It does. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not as simple as it sounds always, but um, there's a lot of ideas in the book for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, the siren call, the snooze button. Are you a snooze button person?
2: I'm, I'm not. I'm not. And actually, it's surprising. Not too many of the people we uh, spoke with were. And we're, we're very much against it in the book. Like, we, we say definitely use an alarm. Like, Ariana doesn't need to use an alarm. But if you do need to use an alarm, as many of us do, uh, definitely have one, even if it is just a hedge against oversleeping. Because, let's say, you 90% of the time you wake up at 7.25 or 6.25. Um, just set your alarm for five minutes later, you know, half past seven, half past six, just in case, you know, it, it, it'll help you out. Um, but in terms of the snooze button, we're, we're, we're totally against that. If it truly, truly works for you, then I guess just keep it up. But um, don't, tr- if you don't currently do that, don't start doing it because it's, it's like starting your day by saying no. It's like being like, I don't want to do this. And it, it, it just feels like a very negative way to begin your morning.
1: Uh, I completely agree. I feel like I'm going to use this one clip and brandish it to uh, <laughs> a specific person in my life, actually. But uh, <laughs> we won't. Oh, we won't, we won't talk about. It. There's nothing more infuriating to me than sleeping with someone who is a snooze button user.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: So Benjamin, if there if there's one piece of morning routine wisdom or one idea that you would like to leave people with about how to improve their morning routines a little bit, what would it be?
2: it would be i'm afraid i've already mentioned it but it it would be to just start small and just keep everything short and easy to accomplish because that is that is how you build it and if you if you decide that you want to do everything all at once it's really not going to work but if you slowly add items to a morning routine maybe one a week uh, for a very short amount of time over time you'll you'll learn what you enjoy and you'll be able to build it up
1: awesome so the way that I I like to close out these interviews generally is I, I like to ask people about what they've been reading lately and what they've enjoyed. Is there anything, anything in particular that you've read lately that you've liked that you'd like to recommend to people?
2: Yeah, so I'd recommend this is a book from a former guest of yours actually, uh, "Off the Clock" by Laura Vanderkam, which came out very recently. Um, it's it's really really great. I read it because uh, you know Laura is someone we know um but it's 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 really it really helps you think and understand that there are more hours in your day than than you really think about and i was expecting to kind of skim through it but i, I you know i read it in full i just read it on a flight and it, it was fantastic i did a lot of underlining it's she really shows how you can um take take time and really make the most of it and i think many of us many of these books are kind of how to uh have more productive time and you know, have more time to work But uh, Laura's book is more about how to have this time, That it's definitely work time as well, but more how you can enjoy that time. Um, The second book for sure would be The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, which I've mentioned many times, so I'll I'll, I'll be quick, but that's just a fascinating read. It really really shows you how to kind of form and break habits, and breaking habits is much harder than forming them, Um, but yeah, so I definitely recommend that. And finally, I would like to recommend Deep Work by Cal Newport, and I'm not as diligent at following his practices and ideas as he is, um, but it's it's really packed with ideas and as many of them I've put into my own day. Uh, one of them, for example, is the shutdown ritual, which is at the end of his day, which usually finishes at 5 p.m. or something. Um at the end of his day he does this kind of ritual where he goes for his computer he checks that everything's all in place and then he'll physically kind of shut down his computer and so many people um it's such an easy trick but so many people just close their laptop at the end of the day but i like to just kind of shut it down completely and then it kind of really doing that kind of empties my mind as well and feels like i've kind of closed off myself for the day hmm <laughs>
1: Well, that is it, Benjamin. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, the book, again, is My Morning Routine, How Successful People Start Every Day Inspired. And if you are a skeptic about how much you will get out of this book, take it from me. I was too. And it was actually really interesting. So thank you for your work.
2: Thank you very much, Caitlin. This is great.
0: Welcome to The bookend, where we end with books before we get into the book list and talking about the interview i wanted to share a story because i was talking to a friend of mine avi is his name hi avi if you're listening um and i was talking to him about the interview and a little bit about morning routines because he's not really familiar with this concept at all i said morning routines and he was like what is a morning routine what are you talking about (laughs) and i gave him a little bit of background and he said yeah duh we all have morning routines and I was like, what are you talking? Like, I was like, I don't think anyone has a morning routine because I kind of believe that you just get up and you do your thing. I mean, obviously I was proven wrong by this interview. <laughs> but Avi said something I think really nice. And he, he said, humans are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you can't help it. You, you do things over and over again once they make sense for you. And if it's a morning routine or how you like to start up your laptop at work or something, um, humans are creatures of habit.
1: How many ways are there to start up a laptop? (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's all good.
0: So let's talk about the interview real quick.
1: Mm -hmm. Like,
0: what's the one thing that we should remember about this interview?
1: Maybe there are two things, actually. It's that, you know, there's no wrong way to do a morning routine, do what fits for you. But within that is the idea of keep everything simple. Do less than you think you should do. Um, Because you really want to make it sustainable. Once you have that foundational habit in place, you can add fancy stuff like superfood smoothies and handstand push-ups. But like, I think Spall's recommendation was if you want to have a a meditation habit in the morning, start with two minutes, like undershoot. As long as you can complete it and give yourself positive feedback and then keep on doing it, you're doing it right. So start small.
0: Okay. And why did you want to talk to Spall?
1: I really wanted to talk to Spall because I was so surprised that I enjoyed his book. Oh, (laughs) that's nice. (laughs) I really, I almost, I think it was because I felt I like wanted to apologize to him almost <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was uh it was fun and it was good learning, and I enjoyed it, yeah, I don't know, and morning routines are just interesting because people are interesting, yeah, yeah,
0: so do less. Less. And also don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> it seems like they be the, big, the two big takeaways today. Those
1: are our lessons, indeed.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So should we get into the books? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to go first or should I?
1: Sure, I can do it. Um, so I chose one that is actually kind of similar to my morning routine, but its it, it has to do with, with creative people from history more than it does our contemporaries. It's called Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. It deals with the 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 creative, not just morning rituals, but the sort of creative habits and rituals of people like Jane Austen, and Benjamin Franklin, and Picasso.
0: Was there sorry? Was there something in there about how like Beethoven would count the number of coffee beans?
1: Yes, right? he would count out exactly sixty coffee beans for his morning cup of coffee, <laughs> uh, which is so delightfully loony. Yeah. Um, the one that I really love, though, there are two. Uh, Toni Morrison's routine is just so pure and lovely. She likes to make sure that she gets up to see the sunrise. Uh, and she thinks it's like very pure and it helps her start the day. But the one that I like the most is Benjamin Franklin's. What
0: was no. his?
1: He would get up every morning and spend 30 minutes or an hour, um, naked in his room, taking what he referred to as an air bath Nice. while he read or wrote. So,
0: um, I got two books.
1: Cool. Tell me, what are they?
0: So in the interview, you and Spall sort of break down a little bit about why people are so interested in other people's morning routines, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting you asked him something like why do you think people care <laughs> and he said voyeurism oh yeah and then and then i had to think about the latest tim ferris book oh yeah tools of titans
1: why why did that make you think of tools of titans
0: because it's just like a book of wise words from famous people <laughs> okay <laughs> and like people who high high achievers high performance people um and i had a kind of similar response to that one in that i was like why do i care what jimmy fallon thinks about Mm xyz but then you read it and you're like jimmy fallon has done so much actually and whatever about what i think about his singing abilities it is interesting to hear about books that he would recommend to people or yeah um etc and like a quote from that that i wanted to share was from judy foster
1: Jodie foster (laughs)
0: Jodie foster uh she says in the end winning is sleeping better and i think that i really like that quote (laughs) You don't have to to respond to that. I feel
1: like there are levels to that that I haven't totally inspected yet. Maybe on the next episode of Simplify, we can talk about what that quote means to us.
0: Yeah. So, Tim (laughs) Ferriss, Tools Tools of of Titans. Titans. And then, do you remember the interview we did in the old Blinkist podcast with Vishen Lakhiani?
1: Oh, yeah. I do. So, so,
0: Lakhiani is the CEO of Mind Valley, which is like a learning organization in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book a couple years ago called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Mm Mm-hmm. And we interviewed him for the Blinkist podcast. Actually, one of our co-founders, Nicholas Jensen, interviewed him because he's a big Lacchiani fan. Mm-hmm. And he asked Lacchiani about his, about his morning routine because Lachiani is like a famous optimizer. okay, Hacker, he would call mm-hmm. himself. And if it's okay with you, I thought we could just play it because it's an amazing routine. It's, it's also a little bit long. I okay. mean, the routine itself, man, he manages to squeeze it into like an hour. Um, but the audio of him describing it is a little bit long. It's also from a couple years ago when we interviewed him, so it's possible that it's changed, and I don't want to hold him to this. Mm -hmm. Also, because it's a couple years ago, the audio is a little different. But this, to me, is like the paragon of morning routines.
1: Awesome. Didn't it involve Moringa? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's hear it.
4: This is my morning routine. I start with a particular meditation process that I put together called the six-phase meditation. It's very popular now. Over a million people do it and um, um, it's something I designed. It's based on six different principles of hacking our mental abilities and our human mind. First phase is compassion, so I do a compassion ritual, then I do a gratitude ritual, then I do a forgiveness ritual. Okay, All three of these are designed to elevate my levels of happiness and bliss. Then I focus on my future. I um, visualize my life three years ahead. Then I visualize my day unfolding perfectly. And then I pray. All three of these are designed to make me feel optimistic, powerful, and to look forward towards the coming day. Next, I go and I exercise. Now, that entire meditation takes about 20 minutes. Sometimes I go on to half an hour because I want to just sit back and breathe, right? Then I go on to exercise. Now, typically, I use the Microsoft Band, which is a really cool device, and I do Tabata exercises. Tabata can take, takes me four minutes. So, I do a very high-intensity four-minute exercise. Mm -hmm. Studies have shown that four minutes of Tabata can be as beneficial to your body as 20 minutes of regular exercise. Next I go and I have my optimized breakfast. Now, my optimized breakfast takes me four minutes to make. It is a shake. I use JJ Virgin or GNC as the base powder, and then I add moringa, wheatgrass, um, camu camu, and chia seeds to it. And it's basically um, super-fueled nutritional shake that um, elevates my brain processing. Sometimes I add MCT oil to it, elevates my my brain processing, gives me energy, and just makes me fully energized um, for my morning from the time I start my morning to lunch. So that's really what my morning ritual is. Now, this is the most optimized ritual I know right now. In the future, I may find something more optimized. But functioning like that keeps me fit, keeps me mentally alert, keeps me happy, keeps my body fueled, and allows me to just function really well on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, so to me, that's a morning routine. Like, that is Ooh. too much. I don't it's
1: too much for me personally, but... Yeah.
0: I don't think... I mean, we said that the takeaway from today is do less. That's do as much as possible.
1: Yeah, but I also kind of wonder where he started. Maybe, like, what were the b- the building blocks that he started with for that morning routine? Maybe his was two minutes of meditation and, like, half a teaspoon of moringa and right. water. <laughs> Maybe it was just... Right. And he scaled up. Maybe it was just
0: get up and go to work. And then he was like, I have to do my four-minute Tabata routine. Yeah. Um, tabata is cool, by the way. You should YouTube Tabata.
1: Mm-hmm. I have.
0: Okay. Yeah. Done it. You've done it? It's grueling. Can you just say... I know we're pretty much done with this episode. Can you just say yeah. what it is?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people listening, to they just don't know that word. It's high-intensity interval training. That's it.
0: Low-duration, high-intensity. That's the thing that, yeah. that I always remember.
1: You just go all out for a very short period of time, have a right. tiny, tiny rest, and then do it again like seven times or something.
0: I think I would try that. Great. I, I'm serious. <laughs> I, like, I used to do push-ups in the morning <clears throat> when, I was, when I cared.
1: But did you do handstand push-ups?
0: I can't... I'm too bottom-heavy. I can't do... I can't (laughs) do do handstands.
1: Everybody who can't see Ben right now, Ben is basically an upside-down light bulb. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) No, he's not. He's not at all. All right, this is too much. (laughs) Uh... This episode of Simplify was produced by me, Caitlin Schiller, Ben Schumann-Stoller, Natar Ashkina, Ben Jackson, Terrence Mickey, and Odie Constantino.
0: Yeah, Odie... This is a true story. When he was 14, once called the Paisley Park Studios to speak to Prince in order to get backstage. Amazing. Yeah. They sent him a brochure. (laughs) Um, You can find us anywhere good podcasts are findable, Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, If you like this episode, please just share it with someone and just say, Hey, this was a cool interview and I got some cool book recommendations. Check out Simplify.
1: We appreciate that. We would also love to hear what you think of the season so far. Get in touch with us. You can write to us at podcast at Blinkist.com or on Twitter. I'm at Caitlin Schiller and Ben's at Bisto. As always, this podcast was made by the good people, including me and Ben, at Blinkist.
0: Right. And if you want to try out Blinkist, you can go to Blinkist.com slash friends and type in the voucher code, which this week is OATMEAL.
1: Yes. Cool. All right. That's it.
0: Nice. Then see you guys next week.
1: Remember to eat your oatmeal. Bye.